0: Great music. Praise the Lord, Kevin and Tori. Thank you for that song. Hey, I want to just have a single standing sermon. I'm uh, looking forward to a new sermon series that I'm going to be speaking on for the next three weeks a little mini sermon series, Will You Be the One? And uh, next week, I'll, next three weeks after this, we'll do, talk to you about Will You Be the One That Answers God's Call? Will You Be the One That Stands Up When Others Fall? will be the one who takes the light to a dark world? And I'm going to do that in a sermon series. I'm looking forward to that. But today, a single sermon that I want you to talk about. I've been studying this for some time, feeling the need that we as believers need to be more equipped uh, on not on what God gives us, but what we get from God and learning how to defend our faith. And if we're going to learn how to defend our faith, we've got to know the Bible. Now the Bible, uh, this is a family Bible. It's, uh, we sometimes keep it out here at the church. It's, it's quite heavy. Uh, you could lift it and lose weight, I think. And, uh, but uh, but uh, the Bible is really our greatest weapon. Uh, we don't really defend the Bible. The, the, the Bible defends itself. And nevertheless, there have been those nut jobs out there who've used the Bible as, as actually a physical weapon. You can check it out online. There's one guy who came across a guy who was demon-possessed. Had a prayer with him and slapped him with the Bible. Now, not this size. It was the size that I've got here. Because if he had slapped him with that, the guy would have knocked out. There was another uh, story that I read online where a lady had a tumor on her hand, and they put it on a table, and they put it flat and took the Bible, the big Bible, and slammed on it to try to escape that tumor from her hand. Now, that is not what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm not. I'm talking about using the Bible and understanding the Bible so you can really get what it says, so you can defend what it means. And, and make sure we don't have half-truths, but clear truth about the Word of God. We've got to stand for it. If your Christian life is transparent, undoubtedly you've had those people who came, come up to you and require you to defend what you believe. They ask you some questions. Why do you believe in God? And and if you look at the movie we saw some years ago here, uh, God's Not Dead, You remember that movie? It was the professor of, the story of Professor Radisson, which was a philosophy professor, deciding that teaching his college level introductory to philosophy, class would be more productive if he could get people to lose the idea of the existence of God. In the fictional movie, he required all the students to, to sign a piece of paper saying, God is dead, or else face a failing grade. If you remember the movie, all the students wrote, wrote, wrote their name on it. When it came to Josh Wheaton, he said, I'm not signing it. And so it became his assignment to support that God was alive, and that God was very much alive, and he was the creator and the God of the universe. Could you defend God in a college class? Could you defend God with your neighbor? Can you defend the existence of God? Is he somewhere out there? You say, well, I guess he's out there. Do you know he's out there? Could you speak up for the life of Christ, his life that he was born a virgin? Could you speak up for Christ that he died on the cross? Could you show show them a scripture? Could you talk about the resurrection and point them to a passage? Could you talk about the fact that Jesus one day is going to come again? Could you really point people to the actual reality that this is taught in this book? Do you know? Do you know for sure? Can we know? Can we know for sure? By the way, the idea, idea of knowledge is intriguing to me in today's Christian culture uh, because uh, people are not attending church and fewer and fewer people attend Bible studies. Fewer and fewer people read their Bible, although it has more access than ever before. Everybody has the Bible or can't have it with a Bible app on their phone, and yet fewer and fewer people read the Bible from year to year. We're going the other direction, folks. We've got to stop it, and we've got to be defenders of the faith. I read recently, 51% of the church doesn't know the Great Commission. Now, I can't imagine not being able to quote that, but, but add to that, it, it goes up higher. If, if, they, if you even ask them, they might quote parts of it, but 51% or higher doesn't even know where it's located. It's in the Bible, folks, Matthew 28. How do we defend our faith? In Acts chapter 22, Paul gave a defense of his faith. And he, and he, and he, and he gives, gives three R's, R's. Three R's, and these are real R's, not reading, writing, arithmetic. These are real R's. The first R is this, rehearse your personal testimony. Know what you believe. The second R is rest in God's plan. It's His plan, not yours. You don't have to create a system of faith. It's already down, written down. And then rely on God's power. If you stand up for God, you will never stand alone. He'll stand with you. Rely on that. Let's break this down. If you look at Acts chapter 22, there's a wonderful chapter, and I, I want to take time to read all of the chapter, but I want you to look at verse 6. It begins Paul's testimony. and just follow along for a few verses. As I was traveling and approaching the Damascus road, this goes back to Acts earlier, about noon an intense light from heaven suddenly flashed around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to, saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, where are you, Lord, and, and, who, and who are you? He said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you're persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice that was speaking to me. And I said to them, What should I do? The Lord told me, Get up and go to Damascus, and I will tell you what, tell you everything has been told to you and be assigned to you. Since I couldn't see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by hand by those who were with me to Damascus. Someone named Ananias, a devout man according to the law, and who had a good reputation, and all the Jews living there, I came, and stood, I came and stood by me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And at that very hour, I looked up and saw, and he said, The God of our ancestors has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear the word from his mouth, since you will be a witness for him all to all the people, what you have seen and heard. You will be my witness. You will be God's witness. Three things. I want you to get this. Write this down in your heart. Or write it down. If not in your heart, write it down on a piece of paper. This is the way you defend the faith, and the clearest way that I see, I studied this hard this week, and the, thre- the clearest way to understand how to fear fa- defend the faith is to do these three R's. First, rehearse your personal testimony. Paul here was, had, was converted in Acts chapter 9, and here in Acts chapter 22, he's retelling the same story. Everybody's got a story, right, Bill? Everybody's got a story. And if you do not know what it means to you and how you came to Christ, then there's something wrong there. If you can't tell people for sure how you know for sure that when you die you're going to go to heaven, you don't know for sure. You need to find out for sure. I mean, in fact, if you break this down, Paul gives what was later on put with many witness training, continued witness training, and all kinds of things. They followed Paul's model here and tell us how to share our faith. First, the question we asked that Paul asked of himself, and he shared, let me tell you how I met Jesus. Can you tell people? Have you met him? Where did you meet Jesus? How did you meet him? What is your story? And everybody knows my story. When I start my story, I tell it so much, I say 3806, June Drive. I t- that's my story. That's where I came to know Christ in Oak Cliff, about 20-something miles from here. Let me tell you something. There was a place... And time. Now, I don't think you need to know the actual time. But you need to know that there was an event in your life when you bowed your head and asked Christ. You don't have to know the time. I don't know the date. I know about when it was. I know the location. I don't know the actual time. But I know for sure there was a time in my life when I asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. What is your story? Paul was Damascus Road. Mine was June Drive. you got to have a story. How did you meet Jesus? Then, how did you listen to Jesus? Do you know Christ's will for your life? Paul says this here's how I know this I heard him speaking to me. Now, I know that people talk about how God speaks and people talk about speaking audibly, and I don't believe personally that God any longer speaks audibly. You can check this out in 1 Corinthians 13. When the Word of God is complete, the part was not necessary. So, we needed miracles and audible speaking in the past, but now we got the Word of God, we don't need it anymore. Now, I'm not saying God can't speak. I'm just saying that doesn't look like the trend to me in Scripture. He says, I heard a voice saying. They saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice saying. Why? Because God speaks to hearts. And do you remember when I heard the voice saying to me when I tried to go back to sleep when I heard the gospel and and something in my heart said, you need to pray ask Christ to be your Savior. And up from that room to my brother's room room on the twin bed that he bounced on like a trampoline, I knelt on my my knees and I asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I heard him say that. Here's how the Bible speaks. Here's how does God speak today. Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times in different ways. But in these last days, he has chosen to speak to us through his son. If anybody rejects Jesus Christ, they will never hear the word of God. That's it. So how did you meet Jesus? How did you listen to him? Do you listen to him? And then are you obeying him? I don't know about you. I got to obey Jesus. I mean, I, I look at Bibles. I can't throw a Bible away. So I stack them up. People give me a Bible. I say, You want a Bible? I can give you one away, but I'm not going to throw one away. There's something holy about that book. Can I get a witness? <laughs> and, and because I, I, I believe in the respect of that. And here's what he said. I said, what should I do, Lord? And he says, let me tell you. I invite you to do that sometime. Come to the altar and pray that prayer. God, what is it you want me to do for you and your kingdom? See if it doesn't change your life. It'll make, hey, it may make you scared. But just be open. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. Paul met Jesus. He listened to him and he obeyed Jesus. The clear system of our story is have we met him, have we listened to him, and are we willing to obey him? And this is the evangelism training the Southern Baptist Convention taught for years. My life before Christ, how I accepted Christ, and my life since I accepted Christ. You should be able to write your own testimony. I challenge you, as a result of this sermon, if you would just go back and write it down, let me write down what happened to me when I was saved, born again. You'll never be able to defend your faith if you don't know how you have faith. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says that if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. I remember sometime years ago, somebody called me from into my office and got a phone call and said, I want you to go tell my relative about Jesus. I said, uh, do they attend the church here? No. I said, I'm glad to go for you, but why do you want me to go? Why don't you tell them? They said, I don't know how. We will never change our world with churches full of believers that don't know how to tell somebody about Jesus. We're going to get on fire about that, folks. In this sermon, Back in, 19, in 1888, Charles Spurgeon had a sermon titled, Hold Fast the Faith. And here's what he said, and I quote in that sermon. We must defend the faith for what would have become for us, of us if our forefathers had not stand up and stood up and maintained it. If Paul hadn't stood for Jesus, if the apostles hadn't stood for Jesus, it would have just simply washed away with the death of Jesus Christ. But they wouldn't let his story die, and neither should we. Think of it this way. In the book, Conversation, The God Conversation, J.P. Moreland and Tim Muhoff says this, say this. Our beliefs are challenged from many directions. Every day it seems more difficult to explain to our friends and our families and our neighbors why we believe. When our ideas and arguments fail to persuade them, what then? Is there another approach we can take? And here's what these apologists say. You look at your relationship with Jesus Christ and simply tell your story. God will bless your story. Well, if you're going to be a witness for Christ, defend the faith, you've got to rehearse your personal testimony. That's what Paul did. He even talks about his testimony. The second thing, we've got to rest in God's plan. He said to me, go because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. This was God's plan. I mean, look at Paul. You know, just like a rabbi type, rabbinic treatment and training. And God's plan to save the world was to send him out into the world to tell the story. And I want to say that the job of every believer is to carry the message to the world. Jesus sent out the original disciples, and he continues to send us. He's still sending people. Paul's testimony was, I met Christ, and I listened to him, and I became his servant. If we are to defend our faith, folks, if we're really going to defend our faith, we must be aware of faith and salvation, and it was originally not your plan. It was God's plan. Let me tell you why you're saved. It's God's plan. God provided it. We express our story because we believe his story is in us and we tell his story and we share the gospel of message. Let me say this again. We express our story because of his story is in us. We don't defend our experience. We share his plan of salvation. The church is not your idea. The church is not my idea. It's God's plan. The most important message we must defend is the plan of salvation. And there was threefold plan for, for Paul whenever he came into contact with Jesus. First, he wanted to save Paul. And he wants to save you. And he wants to save your friends. He wants to save your family. He wants to save your neighbors. He saved him. He says, I, he saved me. And then he says, he sent me. Everybody is a missionary. You go home and you have neighbors, you have people you work with, and you're not supposed to be just a missionary to what your job conversation about. You are there to represent Jesus Christ. We all do that. You tell the story. He said, he saved me, he sent me, and he made me his servant. Let me tell you what you are. You are not just a church member of Valwood Park Baptist Church. If that's all you are, you're going to die disappointed with religion. But if you're more than a church member, if you're a servant of the living God, you'll be on fire change the church. Believers must keep the message. We must keep it pure. We cannot let the message drift. We cannot let the message become dirty. We must keep it clean and clear. We are defenders of the plan. We cannot compromise the story of God. We must put our life on the line for the gospel and Paul did. In Romans chapter 8, Paul said this, hey folks, I am persuaded not, not, not almost. I am fully persuaded. The goal of a church is to produce, follow this, fully devoted followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. And I would say to you, the reason the attendance in America is declining in churches is because we do not have people who are fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. They're convenient. As long as it's convenient, they come to church. As long as it fits their schedule, as long as they don't have something else to do. Let me say something. This church is a result of people who believe in the Almighty God. And this church advancing is because of that same belief. We must keep the message pure. In the forests of North and northern Europe and Asia lives a little animal called the Ermine. He's a really aggressive little animal. Uh, they change colors, particularly in winter. They, they, there's many of them, their, their fur starts, turns to pure white, and so white that, that, that they blend in with the snow. And fur hunters, for looking for this animal, take advantage of this unusual trait of the ermine. They don't set a snare to catch him. Instead, when they find his home, they take around the hole or the rock and the hollow in the woods or the tree, and they put dirt and oil all around it. When they release the dogs... The, the, to chase the ermine, the ermine will get to that dirt and say, can't do it. I'm not going to let my, high, my, my fur get dirty. And they run, and the dogs catch them, the hunters catch them, because they would rather die than allow impurity to come into their home. Let me tell you this, folks, we need a new revival in the American church today. We need to pure up the church. We need to pure up the gospel. And we need to say, I would rather put my life on the line than to give up to something that's not true and false and not in favor of the truth of God. Desire, the Bible says, the pure milk of God. The rest in God's plan. And the last thing is, as we break this down, rely on the power of God. You've got to advance to see exactly where Paul goes with this in chapter 23. If you have your Bibles, look at chapter 23 and look at verse 1. It says this, that Paul, uh, says this in chapter 23, verse Paul, Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, Brothers, I've lived my life in all good conscience to this day. And he goes on to say, hey, God will get you. You can do what you want to me, but God's going to get you. Chapter 9, Paul was on the journey the Damascus Road. Here he's on that journey of being a faithful servant. Paul lived without because he trusted the power of God. He defended the power of God. We have to have people that look into this book and study it and say I know how to tell people how to be saved. I know how to tell people you don't lose your salvation. I know where the Bible verse says that you're more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. I know what the Bible says about the return of Jesus Christ in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I know what the Bible says about the end times in Revelation. I know exactly how God's going to wipe away all tears. We need to know more about this book and give it out. The power is in the word. Spurgeon said this when it comes to Defending the word of God. Here's where he said it. He said, you don't have to defend the word of God. God and the word can defend itself. God is like a lion. You don't defend the lion, you just release him. (laughs) Folks, if we release the word of God, it'll take care of people's needs. And somebody calls you and talks to you about some problem they've got, don't release your opinion. You release the word of God. One person said, we don't defend the faith, we just stand up for it. (laughs) And we need to do that. Paul believed in the power of God. Listen to what he said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the power of God, but I'm but I'm convinced that because of the power of God is salvation to the everyone that believes the Jew first and also the Greek. I am not ashamed of the power of God. God's power gave Paul strength to stand, to speak, to suffer. I came across a wonderful article about how to defend your faith. It's a wonderful testimony. You might want to jot this down. There are five steps and things we need to remember to defend our faith. Number one, be prepared. The Bible says through Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, be nourished in the words of faith. We have people who are spiritually starving in our cues. You cannot depend to be spoon-fed by the pastor or your teachers. You need to read the Word of God for yourself. Get the book open and read it. Be nourished by the Word of God. Secondly, be diligent, be confident in what you believe. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, I want to know the power of the resurrection. I don't, I don't want to guess. I want to know. I used to hear this preacher say this out there. He took preaching to people about defending the faith. He said, how many out there know that you know, you know that you know, you know, you know that Jesus is real? How many do you know? You know. Be confident. Be diligent. Number three, be curious. When you're witnessing to people, sharing your faith with people, ask them questions. And be a little flexible as you're doing that, as you're curiosity. Because it's not your way, it's not the highway, it's his way. We are not trying to convince people of our own argument, we're trying to convince people to be curious, ask questions, don't be afraid to ask questions. There's some people who have some very good questions that are outside the Baptist church. Even Presbyterian has good answers, you know, and Methodist has some good answers too, right? And by the way, just the whole idea, we've got to get this together, folks. We've got to stop fighting among ourselves and get on the same cause on the same page because the number one thing is not to keep the Methodists open, the Baptists open, the Presbyterians open, and, the, and all the other churches open. We've got to keep the message of Christ open and alive today. Amen. Be curious. Paul said like this, I've become all things to all men that I might save some. That means don't be afraid to be with people who have different views than you. Get fellowship with them. Any person that says, I'm not going to hang with anybody that doesn't agree just like, that is crazy and that's a nut job. You get out there and you just share your faith. Just, just, just the people who are like you. Hey, we'll never tell a homeless person about Jesus if we don't stop and visit them. We'll never tell a person that's Catholic and hasn't been born again if we don't understand what the Catholics believe. We've got to get next to people to understand what they believe so we can tell them, ask some questions so you can respond with answers. Be brave. Be brave, folks. Open up your mouth. I can do all things through Christ. You can be a witness for Christ. And I'll tell you this. I promise you this. You jump into the water of defending the faith, and God will never let you sink. You'll swim through things and learn some things and express some things you never knew you knew because the Holy Spirit's power is there with you. Be brave. And then be honest. Don't be afraid to say, I don't know. It's okay. But I always do this when somebody asks me a question that I don't know. I say, I don't know, but can I get back to you? I'm going to research and find out. And do it, and do it. We need to be defenders of the faith. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died And that He died for me. I have in my notebook here a twenty-dollar bill. It's not real. Uh, I happened upon it. I don't know if legally I'm supposed to have it, but I have it. I'm not going to try to spend it. So if you ever rob my desk over there in the office and get the twenty-dollar bill, you're going to get busted. There are all kinds of tests. If you've looked, if you've if you've given people bills, they put tests, put things under a lot. they have a pen they do, they have these readers now about what is counterfeit, what's real, and what's not real. But the best way to recognize the counterfeit is to familiar yourself with the genuine. No one can talk you out of church if you believe that Jesus is your Savior. I was a teller in high school. I still remember the man pulled up there and gave me a deposit of $400 with 40 tens. I started counting those. I'm by myself, the president's and back in the other part of the room. There were only two of us there at the bank, and I got there. And we got halfway through, and I said, excuse me, sir. I took a break. His name was Pierce. I went into Pierce's office. And I said, Pierce, this doesn't feel right. He gets out a magnifying glass and looks at a little notice he got on his desk that I didn't have that there were $10 bills being passed out in that part of Oak Cliff Minnesota. He said, write the man a receipt that you received it, but you can't give him a deposit. That man went ballistic. And I understand what he lost his money, and I don't know how they worked all that. That's between him and the president and the vice president. I'm, I'm not going to deal with that. But the president, the vice president asked me this question. How did you know? It just didn't feel right. Trust your own spiritual instinct. God's going to put something in you if it's right or wrong. Make sure you feel it. Make sure you know that it's right. I read this story about a, a blind boy who was flying a kite and enjoying his pastime along with others his own age from a blind school. A passerby wanting to joke with him and kind of be, Teasing, said some not right things. Hey, son, where's your kite? And uh, he said to the little boy, you don't know whether it's on the ground or up in the sky. Oh, yes, the blind boy said, I do know. It's quite far up in the air. How do you know? You can't see it? No, the boy said. I can't see it. That's true but I can feel the tug on the string. If you felt that tug and you received Jesus Christ, tell people what happened when you felt that tug. The best way to defend our faith as a generation of believers is to tell others our experience. Let's tell them. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we have the invitation to help you, pray you bless us as we respond to the information we have before us to be people that are Willing to rehearse our testimony, to rest in your plan, and to rely on your power. Help us to do that so we can change our world for your glory and for your sake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Will you come if God blesses you? If you have a decision to make, come pray at the altar. Let's pray that we'll be able to defend the faith. Let's just come and pray at the altar and ask God to help us as a church stand up for the truth. Let's sing. We should be seated just for a minute. Chris is going to come and share a few announcements and then I'll be back to make sure we share the end of the story to you. Good morning.